If you're listening to this podcast and you've never headed to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s, well, you should go do that because there are more than 20 hours of bonus content, including great stuff that just came out in December, like our Footloose uh, live episode that was thought to be lost and then was found thanks to a little hard drive uh, reconnaissance I was doing. <laughs> Uh, there also a really fun commentary for a Muppet family Christmas, uh, which is the Muppet family Christmas is for anyone on Patreon and the, uh, footloose episode is for those at the $5 tier at the $5 tier. You get a quarterly bonus episode and all sorts of fun stuff. And, uh, in case you're unfamiliar with Patreon, you get a custom RSS feed so you can listen to it in whatever podcast player you like. You don't have to use, you know, a new app or anything like that. And when you sign up, you get access to everything all at once. So you can go check out all the old episodes that we've posted there, the previous commentary tracks, and, uh, you know, go read through the old bag of soup emails, which is our monthly newsletter. Plus, uh, you get the first 78 episodes of the show for, uh, you know, the second you sign up as well. So patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. If you like this show, there's more of it out there that you can get for a, a small monthly fee and you help support the creation of this show and keep it going. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is a fellow Agatha Christie nerd joining me on this accidental canonuary feature, the Macho Andrew. Andrew Lano. And yeah, I was not expecting this to be a canon fair, but... No. You know, hey. I had, I had no idea. Um... I think we were supposed to do this in, like, the first year of the podcast. I don't think it was the first year, but it was in the first, like, in the beginning stages. I was like, oh, let's, I'm assuming, yeah, yes, it was. It was before I had worked at a high school because I would have fought for it harder. But we were supposed to do it, and then we realized there there wasn't a digital copy of it anywhere. Yeah, you couldn't rent it. You couldn't bootleg it. You couldn't buy it. It just didn't exist. And what's interesting to me is this... Movie, I think, is now out in better circulation because it was put out on Blu-ray by one of those uh, more boutique Blu-ray shops that mm-hmm. have popped up for these kind of titles. But the version that is available through my local library on Hoopla, which is a great streaming service if you've got a library card and have access to it, I re- recommend checking it out. If you like schlocky stuff, there's plenty of it there. This transfer is abysmal. <laughs> yeah, it's also the um, – I watch a lot of things with closed captioning on. Uh, whoever did the closed captioning, uh, it feels like they were like in a hurry and had three fingers. <laughs> I'm guessing that it was somebody involved with Canon in 1989, and it was just like, <laughs> yeah, whatever he said. But like, it's fine. It's, but it's 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 the formatting, which sounds weird. It's like okay. So if someone says like, I said don't, the caption will be, I said D O N apostrophe, and then. The next caption will have a have a T at the top, <laughs> and then most of the next line. And it was just like like for most of the lines, that's how it was. I wonder. I wonder if that's Hoopla or the or the particular movie. I'd say uh, it it I, could be any number yeah. of people's fault, but yeah. Well, anyway, we watched 1989's version of Agatha Christie's, and then there were none, which is titled Ten Little Indians," which is the last time we're going to say that phrase on this podcast. But we watched it, so you know what that means. We've got to go back. We've got to go dissect the 80s. It's your Agatha Christie mystery. Something's good about your Agatha Christie mystery. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. 
So I think the original reason for wanting to do this was probably, oh, hey, there's a Donald Pleasance version of, of and then there were none, which is a book we both uh, read and enjoyed. I, well, I didn't actually. So my, f- oh, really? my first experience with it was back when I, I worked at a high school for a year uh, as a costume designer. And um, they went to the Thespian Society, I think it's called. It's like a high school okay. theater conference. And um, if anyone listening is familiar with the American College Theater Festival, it's basically the same thing. It's just for high schoolers. So they'll send review, not reviewers, but like critique people, critics, I guess, um, to high school shows. And they will get, offer feedback after. And then they will select a handful of shows to be performed at the conference for everybody. So like... The really good ones get you get to see when you're there, and oh okay. So my first, it's high school, so like grain of salt, really good ones, but it's really good high school theater, whatever that means for you. I mean, look, everything should be graded against its peers, right? Yeah, you know, like you know, you grade a high school performance against other high school performances. A, a really good high school performance stands out. You know, I think that's yeah. as true in high school theater as it is in high school sports. Exactly. You know, it's like you see. Talent. That's it, it's raw, but it's still talent. Yeah, um, and then you also get like people like me who are actual like theater, like aspiring or like burgeoning theater professionals who like sure, yeah. know what they're doing. So you get like interesting stuff. Um, I mean, I, like you, know, I watched eight, six, however many of your shows, and when you were in high school, I was in like... fifteen shows in high school. I don't know which one. I don't know how many you saw. Well, I was talking about the ones officially through the school. I thought it was like two. Yeah, no, years. those were. I, more than they were. Fifteen through the school, so it was probably you saw okay. the, at least all four musicals. Yeah, I saw the four musicals, and I think maybe one. I, I'm I'm think the number is more like five or six because I was in college at the time. Yeah, so you probably saw like, a handful of the like fall yeah. or spring plays. And and I came to some of your college stuff too, and you know, and some beyond that. But it's like I, I would say every time you watch one of these, you see a handful of performers that you're like, oh, that person has a bunch of talent. And then you find out typically those are the people who are, you know, wanting to seriously pursue this. There's another tier of people that are like better than they have any right to be, but clearly are just having a good time. And then you have everybody else who's just working hard to have fun, which is fine. Yeah. I'm not, I say this with zero criticism of anybody doing anything. I hope that's obvious, but you know, so it's like most of the stuff that we watched, the world needs community theater actors. Like yeah, but also, but also, just like I'm trying to be complimentary here. Is like most of the stuff I watched was enjoyable. It's like, is it the best singer you ever heard? No, of course not. Like it's a bunch of high school kids. But is there usually like one very talented singer that you're like, oh, I wish, I wish that person did more singing? Yeah, of course. You yeah. know, it's like I had, I had there was laughs. I was not being derogatory when I said the world needs community theater act. Like yeah, there, needs, yeah, yeah. there are tears for everybody. Um, right. So I'll, that's all to say is like you know I. While I think it would be a little odd for your average adult person to go see a high school production of anything with it with no connection to it, a little yeah. not totally. Uh, you know who gives a shit? Go see go see theater. It's good to do that. Well, when it's safe, it's obviously yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It may, or may not be asterisk, asterisk, to asterisk. Do so right now, but yeah. Anyway, that's all I'm saying. Is like I I think I think it's good to have a good robust arts program. So high school theater, I never was involved in it, but I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so my first exposure to, and then there were none, was a performance that was invited to the the, um, the conference. And so the set was giant. It was, um, 
because the the original book and I, the original play that this film is based on takes place on an island, which I think is a better closed circuit. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think setting wise, I think it's spookier. Although obviously, I, I we can talk about that as we go through. I actually did kind of like the, uh, the the setting change here, but I had other quibbles related yeah, to it. So. I didn't. I didn't hate the Savannah. I just thought it was a weird choice. Um, but so uh, my first exposure was uh, a high school production. And when the ending came, I genuinely was like, because oh, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the version, I, and I, I meant to look this up as I was reading. The, the book is different than the play. I haven't read the book in a long time. Actually, watching this made me want to reread it because I haven't read Agatha Christie in a long, long time. And I just, I really enjoy her stuff. Um, she, reading her came after reading Sherlock Holmes for me, which is not really the same thing, but there's some stylistic elements that overlap a little bit. Strong mysteries. Um, Yeah. Hers, I think, are a little more fun because it's the sort of parlor mystery. It's it's a different type of thing. Yeah. There's an energy. There is, yeah. And it's it's the same as we talked about a lot in Clue, is like both of us enjoy that kind. It lends itself to a particular type of shenanigans, which can be played for comedy, played for scares, played. I mean, you can do a lot of stuff with it. Yeah, a madcap um, energy. Yeah, yeah. Which is why, you know, I love Knives Out so much because it's oh, yeah. this. It's like a, just a warm bath for me is, you know, it's it's really strong actors, you know, limited sets in this in, you know intense environment. And you know, swinging you for the, the fences. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a particularly exemplary version because Ryan Johnson is a very talented director, despite what Star Wars fans would have you think. Um, and that movie is beautiful because it's just you have a bunch of people in a pot, and the temperature is set to high, and they don't know it because they got in when the water was cold from the tap. And by the end of the movie, they're all boiled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh shit, everything's going wrong. Is so, the sequel you know, a continuation of the story, or is it just like? In my understanding universe. is it's my understanding is it's sequels plural uh, in this Netflix deal. Oh, it's a Netflix it be, deal. Yeah, it's going to be further adventures of Benoit Blanc, but not necessarily relating to that family. Like I think that is a okay. Benoit so it's Blanc it's story. he's the new Hercule Poirot, basically. Yes, and my only thing is like I hope they figure out a way to bring. Uh, Noah Segan and Lakeith Stanfield in in some capacity, even if it's just like small cameos where he calls them on the phone. Yeah, because those two as the cops were so freaking good. I know, I I like that. They could be his um, uh, his like sort of Watsony kind of guys. Yeah, I would love to see them in there. And again, it doesn't have to be a lot, but um, see them see them in there. Uh, speaking of, this has turned into a Knives Out podcast, which is fine. Um, the Anna de Armas, who plays the the housekeeper, I like her a lot. She's in, she's great in that movie. But I hadn't really seen her in a ton of other things, and she's in the new Bond movie, and oh. she has, uh, which I think you should check out. Actually, it's it's too it's way too damn long. Yeah, but it's they're very all good. long. Th- this one is a gr- this one is two hours and forty three minutes. Why? <laughs> I mean, so if you skip the song, which I like, Billie Eilish, not ashamed to admit that. I think this song stinks. I like, like Billie Eilish. Good. I don't think she. I don't think she makes sense for a Bond song. Yeah, I, I was reading something about people saying there was some documentary about her that came out on Apple TV, and oh. um, she was recording this song with her brother at the time, mm-hmm. and she like started to do a version where she was really belting it, and then she's like, ah, "I can't do that. People make fun of me." And she did this version, which is like very Billie Eilish, sort Breathy. of spooky whisper singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And it's like, shit, man, you should have belted it. It would have been the right tone for this. But so if you skip that and you skip the credits, you're down to like the two and a half hour mark, which is still too long, still but too it's long. at least manageable. Because yeah, aren't Fast manageable. and the Furious movies too long too? I can't. I, yeah. So like, what I is it with like time. dude bro movies? My too favorite long. movie, my favorite list of movies of the year always includes the trailer for whichever new Fast and the Furious came out mm-hmm. because the trailer's delightful. Three, four minutes, totally insane. I laugh my ass off. I will rewatch the trailers like just as a little, you know, like a short film. They're fun. And I try to watch the movie and it's like, I don't want to watch Vin Diesel stand there and talk like this for 17 minutes. It's like, I don't care. Stop talking. It is nonsense. Get to the silliness. Yeah, I want, I want, ironically... Given how terrible the uh, the actual attraction is, I want the theme park attraction version of the movie. Give it to me five to ten minutes, make it all the exciting fun parts, and then get me out of there. I want it to be the Canon Films version, which is like a hundred minutes of tight action and cool shit, which is that like obviously would be great too. But yeah, but anyway, Anna de Armas is in the new Bond, and she is this uh, real incredible ass kicker in it and it's it's really fantastic she's a very short sequence but even even in the short amount of time you're like oh man why aren't you in the movie more (laughs) like like literally this is this is like the mildest of spoilers so i guess the previous thing could have been too but literally at the end of the scene like her and bond shake hands and he's like i hope to see you again sometime and she's like yeah me too does she not like and then they, he leaves, and then she's not in the movie anymore. God damn it! And I'm like, I was like, son of a bitch! Like, because isn't, what? This, isn't what? this Craig's last Bond? Yes, it is. Yeah. So it was just like, oh man! Like, hopefully, Anna and Armis will see James Bond again, but uh, yeah, perhaps portrayed by someone else. Anyway, uh, she's great. Knives Out is great. I love Parlor Mysteries, which is what the point of this was. Uh, but so I'm, I'm like, all right. So you're telling me I got an Agatha Christie play already in the book for with Donald Pleasance, one of my favorite all time hams, you know, he's, he's got his, his energy and it's, it's perfect mm-hmm. for something like this, I think. And I'm like, yeah, I got to sit through a Frank Stallone and a bunch of nobodies, but I was hopeful that this would be like, this is like a very specific reference, but when we were uh, growing up, it was either middle or high school. Speaking of community theater, there was a, a professional theater near us. Oh, people's light and theater. Yeah. Was that the name of it? Yes, it mm-hmm. was. Um, yeah, so we would go once a year, maybe pretty much twice once a year. year. Sometimes it was every yeah. other, but for the most part, once a year. There yeah, was some yeah. play. They were like, everyone get on a bus and bring a sandwich in <laughs> a bag. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> everyone get on a bus and bring a sandwich in a bag. That really is the field trip mantra, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I never thought about that way. That's very funny. But so. Bring a cold sandwich in a brown paper a cold, bag. A brown paper bag, yeah. And then you can throw it away there. Um, so we would go to these plays, and I always really enjoyed it. Like, I, I enjoyed, you know, anybody uh, who was a student probably can relate to what, enjoying just getting out of class for a bit. Yeah. But I, I always like going to see a play, so I was always excited about that. It's a, pro- so, it's a, a professional theater, so. Yeah, exactly. But what was always interesting to the in those performances to me, you know, you get your little playbill, uh, you flip through it while you're waiting for the play to start, and there was often one or two actors, never more than two, who had legitimate Broadway experience. And sometimes it was a person who had a dozen or more performances on Broadway, but now they're older and they're just looking for steady acting work and they're playing older characters, which there are you know not that many of in any play or movie. You're not as, allowed as to be old. You're not allowed to be old, especially an old woman, unless you are an old woman. Yes. Uh, you know, like, a, oh, 
Peter, you're the Spider-Man now, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Grand Mant May. Yeah. But so every once in a while, you'd see, you know, one of these older actors coming through town, and, you know, they're there with much younger people who are getting their start. And it's, I've talked, this is something I've talked about in my personal life a lot, you know, you certain music venues and i think this applies for theaters too are for like either side of the parabola it's either people on their way up or people on their way down yes and so you you know they're at the same comparative level but one has many more years of experience but so you'd get you know younger you know a lot of child actors or or just younger actors you know people in their 20s or something who are you know working and getting paid and that's great and then you'd have this older actor uh, you know, doing the same thing is, you know, looking for steady work and, and, and all that business. That's the energy I got out of this movie is like, you got what they thought were a few up and comers mm-hmm. f- asterisk around Frank Stallone, because obviously so I didn't here. realize. So I only know Frank Stallone as the guy who sang far from over. Is that what it's called? That I used yeah. it. I literally used it in my pageant three, two years ago. That was when I came out because we could pick our own music to come out in our like camp wear, and I picked that because I was dressed like an '80s counselor. So it was that like ba ba da 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 da, and so I came out to that. And I just never knew that Frank Stallone, because because he was a singer, my brain was like he can't possibly. I was like he's a singer, <laughs> not an actor, so he can't possibly be related to Sylvester Stallone. That would be a stupid thing to think. And then I find yeah. out he is also an actor and is. Couldn't be more bargain bin at the dollar store Sylvester Stallone if he tried. Well, the worst part about this is not only is he bargain bin Sylvester Stallone, he's also Delaware Smith, the bargain bin version of Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's weird. I assume the reason for that is because it's 89, so Last Crusade is filming at this point, I think. Mm -hmm. Or it comes out, no, it comes out that year, yeah. So Indy's a thing at this point, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's the third and final indie yeah. movie, as far as anyone's concerned. So yeah, I think that's I think that's what it is. Is like, oh, we got you know room for a Delaware Smith in here. So just like put this hat on. I also kept thinking that the the one old lady who the old lady who wasn't married the yeah I kept thinking she was Eileen Brennan from Clue, Mrs. Peacock. Oh, she does look like Eileen in the Brennan. wides yeah, when she's sure. like being carried and like in her crazy yeah. outfits. I was like. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, I w- Donald Pleasance and Eileen Brennan would be like exactly enough pes- prestige to elevate this. Even uh, even it with it being not Eileen Brennan, I think that actress is one of the more entertaining parts of this movie, but that she just doesn't get enough to do. No, but my, my biggest problem with this movie is that there really isn't any energy. It's, yeah. uh, it's a fucking dirge. Yeah. Like someone screams and then one person turns around in a group of people and then everyone's like, should we go check it out? And then they all like mall walk over there. Like, yeah, yeah. Put some pep in your step. There's a murderer. Yes. Yeah. So let's start going through this. The other thing I do want to say, I guess at the top, uh, you know, and then there were none is what they've called this book for a long time here, but it's, it's had several racial slurs in its title. You know, I get the Christie came from a different time, uh, but it was, it, this book was published in I, 1939. So Yeah. Yeah, but I was <laughs> I was reading, and I don't know if I misinterpreted the Wikipedia line, which is very possible. But so it was originally uh, ten little slur for black people, and then it became ten little slur for native people, Native American the people. Thing, yes, and um, the, the uh, 
the Wikipedia alleges that the original title hung on in Europe until like like 2000 something which i could not believe was true and i did not click any further but i don't i, did, I, do I, I, I think i remember reading that the original title stuck around longer than it should have overseas yeah but i also could have been misreading that yeah anyway it's called and then there were none now which is fine like it's it's a better title it's spookier uh, this anywhere yeah i agree i think it's a stronger title also uh, i think i think also because that little nursery rhyme poem thing yeah. is not as common anymore. Right. Yeah. I, it's interesting too, is like, if you pick that book up now, you'd be like, Oh, this is made up for it as opposed to knowing it was like some cultural thing, which mm-hmm. is, which is interesting to me. But yeah, I, I, it's one of the, it's like, <laughs> as you get older, you find out that half of the things you learned as a child were deeply racist and lightly modified. Like for example, eeny, meeny, miny, ro, eeny, meeny, miny, mo did not nor used to say catch a tiger by the toe as I learned it as a youth. And yep. until very recently I was like, Oh yeah. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Oh, turns out that's deeply racist in its origins. And they just tweaked it a little bit, but Quarter uh, I do wonder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, but I wonder if, that poem has been rewritten to be something else. Like if it's, you know, 10 little children or something like that. Or like probably, I don't know if that's, this is, you know, even, you know, veering further into racism or just like 10 little monkeys. Yeah. As long as you were speaking about the animal and not yeah. using that as a racial slur. Yeah. I think that would work just fine, but I'm just, I'd just be curious. Cause I, I think also because this was 1989, I'm assuming that was more of a cultural touchstone because they don't go through the whole poem. Right. I'm pretty sure, I mean, this was like, I worked for a school four years ago at this point, three years ago at this point. I'm pretty sure that when they first reveal, because they they're all, all the statues are lined up on the mantle in the, in the mm. play or in the book or whatever. And I'm pretty sure the woman kind of goes through them all, maybe not all, but like yeah. a good number of them. So that you have an idea of like, oh, okay. Because I don't know what's the poem. I don't know what's coming. The other thing, too, is it, it. my memory of the book is the poem was pretty predictive as to method of death. And in the movie here, it's not quite as. No, it is. I didn't think all of them were one to one. Am I crazy? I feel like there was two in the middle that were not as 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 like one sat. I guess I guess he sits down at the top of the hill. So I guess that's he chopped himself all in right. half. And then there were s- six. Although thought, he was not chopped in half, that was disappointing. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. We can go through this as we as we uh, pick it up here. We start with some National Geographic nudity, which I was like, there you go, Cadden, you got to get some breasts in, and there's no other way to have breasts in this movie. Although they do have a shower scene inexplicably later, and they don't have nudity during is, that, which I was flat out It is flat the out most weirdly by. tame shower scene. Like, as soon as I saw she was in the shower and a monkey grabbed her towel, I was like, oh boy. Get ready yeah. for this. And it was yeah. 100% not what I was thought it was going to become. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is like, of course, it's a canon movie. There's got to be breasts in it. And I was like, no, just the just the National Geographic style. Just the stock the footage. Yeah. So we're all arriving at a rail station. We're, we're meeting our characters. Mm-hmm. I wish it did a better job of explain, like introducing the characters. Like, I, I kind of need like... A doctor's bag for the yes. doctor. Yes. Like, agreed. I just need mm-hmm. a little bit more stereotyped for me to go, yeah. got it, got it, got it. I also would like, what and colors? I know, you know, 
<laughs> like a more more like clue more like like i just need something because it's so beige it's like a thanksgiving yeah. dinner table it's just shades of beige with a pop of green especially given this is what four years after clue give or take maybe yeah. maybe maybe i'm wrong with that. maybe it's six is clue 83 or 85 i never remember i think clue's 85 okay so it's some years after clue at least four there and it's like the funny version of this has been made, so now your hill is a little bit higher that you have to climb, and mm-hmm. they just don't attempt to. No. The other thing I would have really liked is a voiceover of one of these letters that uh, I don't yes. remember what the name is. The Mr. Mr. Body character, Mr. Owen, um, had sent to everyone. It would be nice ha- had you know you know Donald Pleasance is sitting on the train holding the letter and looking out the window, right, or something mm-hmm. like that. You've won a trip. Blah 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 blah. Right, right. Like we get all that. It's it, you know, it's it's just a slightly different version of what we get in the movie, but I think it would be stronger. Um, and then we get you know the 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 stock footage of the naked uh, you know indigenous people of Africa is fine. The scenes that follow here are not fine. Yeah, we have a bunch of like the 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 click based language thing feels like very strange and just like a, Oh boy, look how weird these people are. Yeah, it doesn't, f- it, it does not feel respectful. Right. And then they literally run away from an airplane. Like they're afraid of technology. And it's just like, Oh, cool. cool Kevin, yeah. there we are. Where's Wakanda when you need it. Right. Uh, we get random stunt show B-roll of a person doing like dipsy doodles in an airplane, I like a biplane. Literally wrote. So, and then, so that happens, and then it's a static shot on the ground of the plane being wheeled in as if it's just taken a landing, and then he hops out. And I was like, that was the that was a fucking theme park stunt show plane entrance. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. They just, like, had the... They pushed... The guy you couldn't see pushed the plane in. Uh-huh. As the propellers slowly spin. Yeah. So we, my favorite sequence of this movie is this canon, sorry, canyon crossing. I'm getting my my brains all a jumble, and they're in this you know, sort of like rope based. They're in a hot air balloon like, basket. Yeah, yeah, but it looks it's like a cross between a hot air balloon basket, which is a great great touch point, and uh, a bamboo animal cage. If you if you play the Far Cry games, it looks a lot like those. But here's Fair. here's my thing. This looks super cool. Really good part of like truly like one of the more interesting parts of the movie uh, in terms of visual, you know, the way it's set up and the way they film it. There is flat out no way on earth that Canon Films is cutting me a big enough check to get into a Canon Canyon crossing cart made by the people who make Canon Films. Well, maybe it wasn't made by them. Maybe it's like a thing it's, there. It's possible. It because apparently possible. the only reason they changed the setting to the uh to a, a safari was because apparently it was cheaper to film in the outback of Africa which just seems like that can't be correct. Well, I to fly my guess everyone is, over there to like to fly there alone seems like ridiculous. Yeah, my guess is it was one of those weird tax incentive situations which is why, you know, Atlanta is such a film hub because they basically subsidize it. So it's possible the African government at the time was subsidizing film production in order to to get films made there. So when you say subsidize, you mean like they paid for the plane, like helped pay the way to get there? So it's usually not one to one like that. It's usually tax. Obviously, they're not giving like a check to cover it, but like yeah, it helps cover the expense of flying there. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it helps cover the expense of creating a film there. It's like you get, you know, a certain tax rate benefit of, you know, your tax very low or if you employ. My hunch is there was probably some clause about employing a certain number of locals, which is why there's that huge group of people who are probably the, the very low, very obviously local um, would be my guess is, you know, the people we were just talking about with the click language and then they show up a couple of times throughout the movie. My, my hunch is paying those folks for a day or two of work helped them make this movie more cheaply. And again, it's just, I have no, I did not do the research. I do not no, know. Yeah. I just uh, thought it was funny because I was like, the original is in a, 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 a spooky seaside mansion, which like, Right. How can you? I was like, that's got to be really cheap to find in America. Taking a mansion mystery out of a mansion really makes it an uphill battle. And I think this movie loses a lot of its steam and energy that you brought up before because it's not in a mansion. Yeah. They're they're, they're, they're just as confined, but it's just not as good. Sorry. Like at one point, Donald Pleasance is like, we should all return to our rooms and lock our doors. And I was like, you're in tents. Like they're canvas flaps. Yeah. I don't know what you no think one... a canvas flap is doing. Don't open your flaps for anyone this evening. It's like they could just they're cut open it open. It. It's, it's, cut it open. It's just cut the strings, Donald. What are you doing? Uh but so we we have uh the first is Delaware Smith. He goes across. It looks they have the camera in the car and it's bouncing all over. It was a little bit nauseating as an audience member, but I appreciate what bit. they were doing. Yeah. So they do want you know, like a star wipe, basically. They're like, and now everyone's and now <laughs> it's like, yeah, you don't want to watch that eight times. But then we see the people pop up and it's like the scene well, so in Star Wars. Literally, with the Jack, sand people. Literally, my boyfriend who's watching it with me, they all get down and he goes, well, how would they get back up? And I was like, you probably have to like hand cr- like it's probably a bitch to get back yeah. up. And yeah. he's like, that seems stupid. And then literally two seconds later, all the native people pop up and break the and cut the li- the rope to the basket. It's like the freaking Tuscan Raiders show up. It's like, what is happening right now? <laughs> it's exactly now? Tuscan Raiders. Like, and then Donald Pleasant screams, I know. He's like, I knew something was wrong. I know natives. And I was like, natives to what, Donald? Like, yes. you're a judge. How do you know anything? <laughs> I also like this is the first of many times he goes full Loomis like Michael. He's, yeah. he's I know you would you double crossed us and it's just delightful to see him go and unhinged like that. Mm-hmm. So the elevator basket is sabotaged and that's what keeps them there. But like in the story, why did the native people do that? Well, my assumption is Donald paid them. Sorry, spoilers for the end of the movie. Spoiler, yeah, but like. In the original, they're all trapped on an island, and then a boat won't come until morning because right. the, it's a ferry that takes people to the island. That makes sense as to why it's a closed circuit. I need to know why the native people did that. And if Donald paid them, that's fine. Throw a line of dialogue in there at the end. It would Yeah, exactly. It would have been very easy for him to be like, I orchestrated this entire endeavor. I paid them to sabotage the cart. You know, it's like, how easy would it have been to just do that? Yeah. So Frank, uh, he's checking out the radio. Uh, we got, we meet the cast of characters here. Actually, it's quite funny. Uh, Andrew and I both watched this through the same account like he I, I had my library has this streaming service and his doesn't so he logged into mine and i turned the movie on and you had watched the whole thing and then turned it off and so i started i didn't i clicked play instead of play from beginning by mistake and it so the was, credits were rolling 
Yes, and it's like the credits are like you know like a sol- it's like a two second clip of an actor like walking or picking something up or doing something and then their but name. not even like a turn and smile. It wasn't filmed yeah. for the credits. It's just a Correct. clip from the movie. Yes, yes. Over a very weird song, like very tonally weird song, sort of like bouncy and fun as opposed yeah. to the serious drama. But I was like, oh, wow, this has like weird turn and smile opening credits. And I clicked pause. I was like, oh, no, I need to I need to watch this. <laughs> I wish those game. were the opening credits. Yeah, yeah. Too many cooks. But so uh, we get to meet everybody. One of them is uh, Paul Smith, who we just saw in Dune episode we did recently. Mm-hmm. He, he was, was the, sh- he's the the chef, right? Yes, he is. And he is, yeah, he's the the brother that's not Sting. Oh, he was the big brother. Got it. Yeah. Uh, he is a massive human being. He's like, a mountain. Just brick shithouse in every definition of that word. He's tall, he's wide, he's massive and powerful looking. The scene where he and Donald Pleasance like kind of get into it and he stands up next to Donald is incredible because I never thought of Donald Pleasance as a particularly small man I guess because he's like kind of heavy you know yeah he's um, stocky yeah uh, yeah that's a great word for him but he makes Donald Pleasance look like a little baby like it looks like that scene in the birdcage when Robin Williams like bumps into the guy at the table and he's like, fuck off. And he's like, he's, or he calls him an asshole. And he's like, yeah, it turns into Andre the Giant towering over. Yeah. Him. Yeah. This dude has real Andre the Giant size for sure. Definitely. Also, <laughs> so he's cooking and the wife comes over to talk to him and she's like, why are you cooking? You know, I, who said you to do it? He's like, well, we got to eat. And I'm a cook. And then he's got this. She she brings over like she's bringing over like a plate of meat to go with the potatoes he's been preparing. And she takes this canister of salt uh-huh. and just ru- ruins all of the meat. And I was like, well, now what are you going to have for dinner, miss? Well, just this one is your plate. dinner. She just she just dumps salt on the one plate. Okay, I thought she dumped it on the meat platter that she brought in. No, because she brings in the skillet and he starts to like put meat on plates and then she dumps one on one plate and he like picks up the meat and shakes off the salt. So crazy. Yeah. I also did not realize. So in movie world, these two people are not married. Like in normal movie world, these two, these two characters are not married. So my brain was, and he's dressed like a cook. So I didn't know he like... They need this dialogue to explain that he's not supposed to be the chef, but I was like, yeah, no, he's dressed like a a short order cook in a movie. Exactly. And then they're like, he's not supposed to be the chef, and they're married. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, agreed. Very, very strange. Uh, So we're having dinner, and we're kind of like trying to figure out what we're all doing here. It's the dinner scene from Clue. Yeah. Well, from all these things, really. So we have dinner, and then we go to retire to the parlor. Well, this, that, that's where case. they see the ten little, um, the ten little figurines on the table. Yeah, yeah, the little totems. And it's funny because they're just like little. They look like something you would buy in like some. I don't know if you're like on a vacation in Mexico. Yeah, it just looks like you know something Aztec-y. that purports to be. It, well, it purports to be handcrafted and local, and then you buy it, and you look at it on the bottom, and it says made in China. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Or something like that. A mass-produced little tchotchke that is supposed to look handmade. It's just like 10 humans, human-shaped figures in a, in, a bowl, like in a skinny bowl, so it's five on each side. And they're like, oh, it's just like that poem. And I was like, well, I mean, is it just like the poem? And well, she she starts reciting the poem, and Donald thinks she's making it up, which I thought was a funny little detail. And yeah. she's like... No, it's the poem that's in all of our rooms. <laughs> like I checked, it's, everyone's got a copy. It's like right by your bed. Yeah, because I think 
I want to say in the in the original, it's like all the ten figures on the mantle, and then it's a plaque under it of the poem. So it's very. Oh, ex- that, I, I think. Yeah, yeah. I re- I remember the there there being a like a plaque or a, or a, a, a f- like a like a framed copy of it in some capacity, not like a needlepoint, but like in that vein, like a yes. framed. You know, God, that, would be, that would, needlepoint would take forever. Oh yeah, you'd kill yourself, I think. Uh, but so we so we retire to the parlor, which I really like because in in the in the normal versions of this, it's in a mansion, so you're in one room and then you move to a different set. In this, they just like walk six feet over. They like, go the from being in a like the outdoor food set on Giada's home kitchen, uh huh, with like a tarp, not a tarp, but like a little a slight canopy over you for shade. Right, right. Into the Agrabah Bazaar tent where you like haggle yes. for the French fry maker. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. It's very, very weird. But, uh, the guy, the, the, so obviously Donald Pleasance is my a number one. And I already mentioned the, the, the woman who's my second favorite in this, but the, the guy who I think really stands out from someone I, me as an aviator. Yes. He's this real sort of like dandy type. And I mean that in the old movie style way of just like very, very well dressed, foppish. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's, you know, like got a sort of um, swashbuckling air to him where he's just like, you know, this. Yeah, Errol this, Flynn. This, Errol Flynn. Yeah, yeah. I could, you know, you, you could see him stepping off the silver screen in the, in the 40s and being like a real heartthrob, but he's, uh, he goes to light a cigarette and a monkey comes and just takes it from him. And it's like, I guess monkeys hate smoking. I don't understand what's happening. But yeah, all I monkey, can think of. Because they're like, it's a tra- it has to be a trained monkey. And then they don't yeah. acknowledge it ever again. So I'm like, is that someone's monkey? Yeah, I don't think so, but it is it is funny to conceive of of Donald Pleasance being like, "All right, first we'll work on the smoking," and he's like lighting up, and the monkey coming to steal it repeatedly. <laughs> he's he's got like a training montage of this monkey, like time to time to stab through the back of the head with an axe. And he's got the I monkey. I wish like it was the monkeys all along chopping wood. If if we had if if this turned out to be Donald Pleasant's orchestrated a bunch of murder via monkey, I would be so into this movie. It'd be so I much can't better. Can't imagine. Uh, but I was also thinking of the uh, the Clerks cartoon where they teach the monkey how to smoke. I don't remember that part. The the episode where they get. Um, locked there's like they eat the weird burritos and, and they, they're locked it in turns the out freezer to, no 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 they eat these weird burritos and they they get like a tent erected around them because it's like some the deadly mutaba virus it's it's a, they're spoofing that dustin hoffman oh 12 uh, monkey no no uh Contag- no the very f- the very famous virus movie that's not contagion. outbreak 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 yes yeah uh and they like there's a monkey and they teach the monkey how to smoke I think I'm vaguely recalling this. I'll have to watch this it is again. a this this is a reference for me, literally you and no one else. Like the number of people who watch the Clerks cartoon and are listening to this podcast is a Venn diagram that includes you and me. Yes. Uh, so, in a scene that feels like that scene from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, when they reveal that um, is it Dorian Gray who betrays them? I think. I think that's right. Um, there's a a. a record that the cook was told to play that's basically like here's all your crimes and he like individually like says like you murdered this person you did this 
It's interesting, too, though, because it's like about a third of them are out and out murders and about a third of them seem like probably intended like, you know, manslaughter. And then about a third of them seem like actual accidents. Yes. Which was the point. So in the book, the way the book ends is that everyone dies because everyone Mm. is guilty. And when they wanted her to make it into a play, they were like... First, they wanted someone else to write it, and she was like, no, I'm going to write it. I'll take four years, but I'll write it myself. And they were like, well, you cannot have everyone die. That is our conceit. So she had to change it so that two people were not as bad. Yeah. So that the audience wouldn't feel bad when they survived. Right, right. Which makes sense. Yeah. So that's why Vera is basically a camp counselor at Crystal Lake. Right. And Frank Stallone is just a soldier, it seems like. Yeah, so Donald starts doing his some detecting work, and then we find out that this guy who kind of looks like Orson Welles, and I could not get over it, was the doctor uh, actually a de- no, the one who's actually a detective. Oh right, 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 right. Oh yeah, he does look uh, like Orson Welles. Yeah. So I, he, Dollar Store Orson Welles is like, well, actually, I'm a detective, so perhaps I should do the detecting here, Judge. Um, so they also like, are was trying you to the find one out. who orchestrated everything? Maybe take a seat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, I was thinking about this in terms of, have you ever played, um, uh, I've played it as a board game, but it's also a game you can play without being a board game, but uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf? I've played regular werewolf, but yes. Okay. So it's like, you know, everybody's got their roles and you have to figure out who's the werewolf and kill them. And if you kill the werewolf, like the village survives. And if not, you know, you all die. There's an interesting strategy to that game, to being the werewolf and being really aggressive to start because people have this subconscious subservience that you can really play with. If And I, I mean this in terms of like playing a board game with your friends for fun, not being a fucking sociopath maniac yes, to be yes. clear, which I think is bad, but you can see it in terms of, you know, people in the real world too. But you can really, if you, if you take charge and don't like, just don't even bat an eye at the fact that you're taking charge, the people will just listen to you. It's very strange how quickly that will happen. Yeah. So you, I, I get it of him being like, all right, well, what are you doing here? How did you get here? Because it's like, you know, we got to throw the scent off. That's fair. I'm just picturing him like, I'm picturing the like comedy version of this where like, they're all like, well, that's weird. But if he's not going to show up, like, do we just leave? And then him be like, yeah, well, maybe we shouldn't leave. <laughs> Perhaps we should enjoy some of the libations here. Maybe he will show. <laughs> we we shouldn't. you know, he, that professor not being here for 15 minutes is a myth. They, you know, where you can just leave. <laughs> the that's, professor that's, not being that's, here. That's not real. You can't just leave here. You won't get credit for attendance. Um, the, the thing I have a big beef, I, I, as a heavy man who sweats a lot, I got two beefs here. Number one. The African savanna <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> Half of these men, I don't have a problem with the African Savannah, but you got to dress for the environment you're in. Pleasance and two of the other guys are wearing three-piece suits all the time. Like That's sirs. how you dress when it's 1940-whatever. It's like 140 degrees, and you don't even have a fan. But the other thing is, uh, Mr. Swashbuckler picks up a bottle. It looks like Dom. It has that like sort of Batman-ish uh, label that's like, very recognizable. <laughs> yes. I've always felt the Dom labels very Batman-ish. Do you not agree? I agree. I, I never thought about it, but you're not you're not wrong. It's it's very like superhero crest to me. Not that I've had I I don't know if I've ever drank Dom, but he's drinking it, and I'm like, 
this bottle of champagne is not warm. It's actively hot. It's like a cup of tea. Wasn't it in a bucket? No. None of the drinks are in a bucket. And I'm like, even if it was in a bucket, where did the ice, like, where would they possibly have gotten ice? It would, you can't transport ice across the an ice chest. I guess maybe they could have an ice chest. There's no evidence that these drinks are cold. And so you're drinking, it's like one thing to drink warm whiskey. These are British people for the most part. So yeah, although they're allergic to ice cubes. (laughs) They are allergic to ice cubes. That is true. They get a cold fucking drink. Yeah, I have a, a, a friend who's originally from Portugal, and he like keeps his Brita filter or Brita pitcher on the counter because he doesn't Blech. drink cold water. And I'm like, when I go over there, they're like, "Don't worry, we made ice for you." Because it's like, oh, I'm the weirdo. And I'm like, no, man, like cold drinks, please. Like the Wendy song, <laughs> which I mean, we've had <laughs> this exact. Tr- Yes, from A to B to C wait, moment wait, before. People, people are like, my God, we get people it. Are, like ice, people are fast on. forwarding 15 seconds yeah. to see if we're yeah. still like, S- let me skip, guess, skip. they're on the Wendy's by now. <laughs> they're still doing ice. Um, but but yeah, I was like, it's it's our normal ice things aside. Like if you got to pack for the environment you're going to, when you go backpacking and you want to have a little drink around the campfire, you bring like a hard liquor because it's a weight ratio issue. You got to carry that thing. You don't bring a bunch of beers because you can't keep them cold. You can't, oh, you don't bring champagne because you can't keep it cold and it's heavy. You know, it's like, you gotta, you gotta prepare for where you're going. This is a red wine experience. This is a dark liquor experience. This is not a Dom Perignon experience. That's true. Um, So when everyone reveals their, you know, everyone's crimes, quote unquote, have been revealed the the wife of the chef goes into hysterics and falls down. I was like, did she just die? Yeah. And then, no, she didn't. They carry her away, and then the doctor comes in, and, like, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish here, but it just, like, wasn't effective because he, the doctor is like, give her half a teaspoon of this and a cup of water, and if she doesn't fall asleep, another half a teaspoon. But no more than that. And then her husband picks up a lady who's tied to the train tracks and twirls his mustache and is like, yeah. what? <laughs> and then what we have a piano man in the corner like, <laughs> like, yeah. snidely whiplash yeah. is her husband. Right. Also, like, where's this quarter teaspoon he needs coming from? Like, that's and a, a glass of water. Of eyeball. Yeah, exactly. It's a very strange amount to eyeball. How about this, Doc? You portion out the medicine. Mm-hmm. It's exclusively done because, you know, every from a standpoint of someone who enjoys a parlor mystery, you write this ambiguously because you want to make sure it's hard to figure out who the killer is, which is fine. Yes. But if I'm this guy, I'm going like, I don't got it. Like, you're the doctor. You portion it out. <laughs> like, what or what? But the but just like the the way he's acting is so stupidly over the top I, I, in in the mousetrap. I like this. The setup is better that everyone is the murderer because it starts with a radio announcement that's like the 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 assailant was seen wearing a, a dark overcoat, a purple scarf and a gray hat. And then every character who walks in the door is wearing a dark overcoat, a purple scarf and a gray or like whatever it is specifically. Yep, exactly. Yep. So that you're like, oh, oh, everyone. OK, OK. They're, it could be anyone. all the killer. Yeah, yeah. Instead of this like literal silent film villain acting. Yeah. This is where a uh, handsome mustache aviator, who I don't, I never actually wrote his name down. I just, that's, he's handsome mustache aviator. 
He's like, well, I'll tell you. He's like, I did the crime that I did, but it was an accident. I was driving and these, this couple ran in front of my car and I couldn't stop in time and they died. Yeah. Pop, he pops the champagne. He's like, I don't, I, I don't know what else I can do because clearly he sounds like he like waited for the police and like he, he didn't yeah, drive yeah. away. It, yeah. He should have driven away because then it would have been more like you murdered. You're totally right. Yeah, that that would be more of a valid reason for him being here if he was like an actively, you know, avoiding the police and trying, you know, trying not to get caught or whatever, as opposed to like, it. you're right. It does seem like he was like, I was in a really bad accident. Two people died and I think about it every day. It haunts me, you know? Yeah. I he think doesn't seem like a guy who's, you know, flippant about it. What Or what this should have been, because it is a movie and not a play, is that it should have been flashbacks. We should have gotten yes. flashbacks to everyone yes. doing their crimes. Exactly. Yeah, that costs money, unfortunately, and Canon Films is a notorious scrimper and saver. But yeah, you're totally right. That's If you're going to do this as a movie, what you do is put flashbacks in to make it because more then movie. the then the voiceover of his story can be different than what we're seeing. He can be exactly. telling them, I waited, and, and the police yep. came, and, and that we can show him, like, wiping his brow and driving away real quick yes yeah 100 percent. way better movie um uh, so he takes a big swig and drains well no the, first four. they find out that their host isn't real because the That's letter right. is yes. u-n owen for unknown which is cute yes yeah i i did i that was like a, a sort of like looney tunes or theme park cue joke that i was like yeah i'm into this yeah um he drains his his uh dom his that's probably Somewhere around 200 degrees, <laughs> approximately. Uh, it boils him from the inside out, and he dies. He doesn't boil from the inside out. I mean, that would no. be cool, but that's not what happens. He dies. And then everyone's uh, kind of like... I, well, everyone's like, quickly, we must bury him to keep the lions at bay, which I could not believe. Like, this is a movie trope that we joke about. Uh, I'm sure we've joked about it a thousand times in the past, but like... I've never done it, so I'm not speaking from experience, but it is tremendously difficult to build a proper grave. It's hard. It's you have you have to, unless you're digging like a two-foot grave. Right, right. And that's not helpful if there's lions about. Correct. But they're like, what happened? And it's like, obviously the wine was poisoned. Yeah. <laughs> he literally drank it down and like held the empty glass up and then collapsed. And he grabbed at his throat. Like, he did yeah. all of the signs of poison. Yeah, and the, the other great part is they're all like, oh, he must be drunk as a skunk. Yes, he's been consuming quite a lot of that single glass of champagne we've seen. No, he had a martini as soon as he got there. That's why I liked that guy. He showed up He showed up in an airplane. <laughs> he made an entrance. He has a great mustache. He's wearing really tight pants. And he said, I need a martini in this heat. <laughs> but they, they like... <laughs> Him being so drunk, he's falling down. I'm like, have you never been around a drunk person who's like falling down? They're like a slurry mess. Yes. So they bury him quickly. And we cut to the next morning and it's a Swiss family Robinson shower that this lady's taking. Yeah, it's weird because like we, I don't have a mental map of this campsite. Yeah. Of like where anything is. Because earlier, um, Vera, the the main woman... Because she's in her 20s, so she's the main character. Yeah. Um, she walks out of her tent, and there's, like, a canvas, b- like, bag on, a, on like, mm-hmm. four bamboo poles. Yeah, and it's, it's little, like, full wash of water. bin. Mm-hmm. It's, like, one of, it's a canvas wash bin, which I always think is an interesting aesthetic, because I'm always like, how? That should not be watertight. <laughs> 
So I was like scotch guarding. Yeah, a lot of scotch guarding. And so that like I was like this should have I feel like this little basin like there should be more basins like this around camp like I don't know where we are what we're doing. Yeah. I also don't know where everyone's going to the bathroom. Yeah, they they don't have an obvious latrine anywhere. Weird. Yeah. And you need well, normally you dig that. So I thought that was going to be how someone dies cuz much like outhouses and regular houses, you got to put those a little farther away from where you're setting up for obvious yeah. reasons. And so it was like, "Oh, someone's going to go to the bathroom and get killed," which is like an obvious thing that doesn't happen in this movie. No. They probably couldn't afford a bathroom. <laughs> They're just like, "Pick a bush, it's canon, baby." Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And this is where uh, we so have Frank's- this the towel scene we talked about. Right, right. The monkey steals the towel, then Frank gives it to her, and he's like, oh, I think you dropped this. Yeah, and he's not he's, leering at all. Like, it is nope, the most, like... Not, he's not a creep. It's just, here, you drop He's, like, kind towel. of looking away from her, and he, like, hands mm-hmm. it over the, the top. Yep. It's it's exactly the thing a person should do in this situation if it's like, hey, I can't find my towel. It's like, yep, here you go, and you try to not to We've look. known each other for a day, so, uh, hi here. Yeah. It's like, as much as I'm sure it'd be great to get a peep of this, I'm not going to do it because I'm not a creep. Mm-hmm. Not a creep. No peep. <laughs> yes. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> and so this is but he's, where- the- he's looking for bullets at this point because I think he's he's worried about the lion now. Correct. Because they saw tracks. I think this is where we see the tracks. And he, yeah, he's, he, he's, and he says it's a woman. It's, it's a young girl lion because she's erratic or something. And I was like, yeah, he's get out of here. <laughs> He's able to look at the tracks and know, like, every pot. He's like, she weighs about 492 pounds. She hasn't eaten for three to four days. And uh, she's she's probably got the tail around 18 to 22 inches. Yeah, I was like, how, buddy, you think this is not, it's, <laughs> it's not magic what trackers can do. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, he's looking for bullets. And then he sees, oh, no, someone has destroyed the radio, which he had used just the other day. Yeah, we have the the shining moment, um, and then at lunch, the general. So wait, so it's a it's a doctor, a general, a private eye, mm-hmm. uh, a, an aviator, uh, an adventureman, a cook, an a adventureman, cook, a cook's his wife, wife. Who I think is a maid. I think she's a maid. Oh, is she? I think so. A governess with a lesbian lover. No, no, no. The governess is the is the young woman. Oh, governess is like nanny. She it's like a nanny who teaches. Yes, 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 yes. Um, there's the act. I think she's an actress with the lesbian. I think so. Yeah. And then that's nine. Donald. Donald. And then a judge, Donald. Yeah. So the general turns to the governess and he's like, "I don't know if he's trying to say she's his daughter or his wife." I think that I think it's the wife. Yeah. When he tells the story later, I think it's the wife. Hmm. Okay. Because it's a weird moment where you're like, is this supposed to be that like she's hiding her past? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 all it all flows into that like the movie's trying to throw you off the scent, but it's very confusing because it, it. I don't. I'm with you. Like I don't know what we're trying. Like it's what not are you good accusing? Confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the idea of like, oh, it's his long lost daughter would be an interesting wrinkle, but only if everyone's connected to him, which they are not. Exactly. It's not. A, it's not good. Aronofsky confusing. It's just confusing right right so at this point fake dom de comes out and he's like my wife has died and everyone uh takes one last bite of eggs and then yes. makes sure their fork is laid down and stands up from the table and then walks <laughs> over there it's not far off she's fucking died 
Yeah. Move it. Yeah. Pick up your knees. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Hustle. You. They needed a gay there to be like, <laughs> drama. <laughs> what? Spit take with a martini. <laughs> yeah, that guy should last the whole movie just so he, he should have been. The whole time. I was like, this fop should have been around more because he could have yeah. kept things moving. Yeah, he had a good energy. I was legit sad. He's the first one out the door. Um, and they also, they also like, um, well, Mister Owen could could be here any minute. And I'm like, you all think he's still like you still think he's coming? <laughs> That's because the scenes that we don't see, like all the interstitials, is just Donald being like. No, I I hear him calling. He, I just he saw seems, him. He's he's round the bend. He said on the coconut he sent me. And then they're like, I know what we'll do. We'll all weapon up and go look for him. And I was like, You think he's just like sneaking around? <laughs> the this is open. There's not a lot yes. of like places to hide. The idea that this leads to like a Scooby Doo montage in which they find the guy creepily hiding and then they like pull his mask off and he's got like you, Owen, un- tattooed on his forehead or something. Like if I have gone through the the trouble of getting everyone here, setting up the tent, making sure there's food there, making the right. record, having the record player there. Right, right. Orchestrating all these deaths. I'm not I'm not doing it. Like I'm not there right. to do it. Right. Right. Exactly. It's too much work. You got after you set it all up, you don't get your hands dirty. No, you push the first domino and then it uh it does the thing. Yeah. But the way this is set up, D- Donald Pleasance is essentially jigsaw. Yes, it is. <laughs> You're all guilty and I have laid traps for you. It should have been Would more trap like. Would you like to play a game? Um and Chess this is- or checkers, I don't understand backgammon. I don't. I truly don't understand backgammon. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> so the general, his crime was revealed that he sent his wife's lover on a suicide mission, knowing he would die, which is probably on the more severe. I mean, end it's of like the, it's the manslaughter. Yeah, severe it, manslaughter, we'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's like. I get it. Like, I get, I understand feeling the way you did, and what you did is wrong, but it's not like you killed him. Like, you sent other people on that mission, right? Like, it was presumably you didn't just be like, all right, Jerry, you know, it this sounded like he just your... sent him. Oh, I got the impression that he was like, I chose him to lead the battalion in which we lost all our men. Oh, no, I, I got the sense that it was like, I sent him alone because I knew oh. he would die. Yeah, that makes sense. If, if that is the case, that is a little more. Basically, know, his wife, his wife got stupid and put the wrong. Like she was there. If both your men are on the front line in the same battle, write to one. You got to pick one. Sorry, because yeah. she was writing to both of them and put the wrong letters in the wrong envelope. So her husband got the 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 side piece. Envelope. Yeah, they got each other's letters. The other thing that I find really funny about the scenario is like the side piece got the husband's letter. Yeah, and, and he, he so then go, he has to know that right at that point you have to be like, hey man, <laughs> I I fuck we up. cool. I, don't, I like I, you want to talk about it. You want to have a fight. You want to beat me up. Like there's answers here that aren't just like pretending this didn't happen. But yeah, you're right. It's like you got to pick one, and if you're not gonna pick one, you send one letter at a time. This it is, is a not a two letter situation. My, right, right. You can't make it so you cross these wires. Mm-hmm. 
So the the tiger shows up. The fake Orson Welles. The um, lion shows up. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, lioness. Uh, fake Orson Welles gets stuck in a bear trap and then frees himself and then has absolutely no ill effects from it having clamped upon his leg. Yeah. I mean, we call them bear traps, but I have literally only ever seen humans in them in media. So <laughs> yes, they're exactly, human traps, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like... A, a spring-tensioned, sharp-tooth thing clamped into your He opens calf it like it's it, a binder clip. Right, and but also, like, those teeth went into your calf. It's all soft tissue back there. It's squishy. Uh, he and doesn't even the, have a, a tiny little dewy and Scream 2 limp. He's, he's got, oh, yeah. got no, no evidence that he's been injured. Or at least, like, put, like, a handkerchief around your leg. Sure, something. And the, the general gets pushed off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. And so, it's interesting. Did you... Did you remember the plot of this at the, at the time you were watching it? So I didn't remember specifics. Like I didn't remember like the death order, but I remembered that Vera ended. Spoilers. I remember that Vera ended up being the one alive in the end, and the and okay. the judge orchestrated all of it. Okay, so I didn't remember any of that. I thought this looked like a woman's hand. It did Donald have a, spell. a very. It did seem slender. And the the nails were very manicured, like not manicured in that they like had a manicure applied to them, but they were like very like they weren't po- they weren't polished, but they were clean. Yeah, but they were like buffed. Oh, like they almost had a shine to them. I was I was a, I was like it was very ladylike hand. It should have been everyone just bumps off someone else. Right. I was just surprised they didn't put this hand in a glove. I guess is my yeah. A glove would have made more sense. And then we also uh, find so- out that they have no real ammunition. Right, Orson Orson Welles tries to shoot the tiger. It runs away, but is lion. unscathed. Yes, lion. I'm sorry. Tigers look um, very different. I know it's dumb and bad. Uh, I can't. I got no excuse. Uh, but he's like, he says they're blanks, and then he like shoots it at Frank Stallone as if he was the culprit, and then later he like touches it and he's like the bullets are waxed so they're useless and like i don't know anything about anything but it seems to me that wax wouldn't do all that much like wax wax wouldn't explode right unless there was gunpowder in it i think the idea is that it's supposed to be enough to just change the trajectory so the bullets are useless like you can't aim them because they like will wobble instead of firing in a straight line but like gunpowder is very hot like i I wouldn't. Th- I would think that at the range she was trying to shoot this lioness, that the bullet would still probably have hit the lion. Oh, I'm see. I missed the wax part. I know that he said blanks, but I missed the wax part. Yeah, he says that they're like waxed or something like that. I, it was something odd. I never I was unfamiliar with it. Uh, and this is where they realize that one of them is Owen. The call is coming from inside the house. Yes, and so they just decide like the most batshit decision they're like yeah let's all get together in the agrabah bazaar tent and let's yes. vote on who we think is the killer and then let's reveal the vote to everyone in front of everyone yes. and, th- and so what Donald the fly is- shit is this <laughs> it's crazy but also my favorite part is this is again we go back to my theory of like just pretend to be in charge and people will listen to you but like donald is the one who conducts this poll and they turn to the cop or private eye and they're like is this a good idea and he's like i don't know as good as any other idea and donald has to be like yes yes come attention this way as i read out our accusations of one another i mean he's a judge so i guess he would have the most experience with that but like it's not a good idea and the other part that's really funny is like th- this scene is so painstaking because it's like one vote for paul 
one vote for Peter. It's one vote for and Mary. the unfolding. It's yes. not. Qu- they don't do cuts. It's right. But there's at this point eight. eight one vote left. for the judge. <laughs> <laughs> one vote for Vera. <laughs> one vote for the aviator. He's already dead. How could he be doing this? That couldn't possibly happen. Once someone is dead, they're not suspects. Everyone write that one down. Equals not suspect. But the it's like they do this scene in the worst way possible, exactly as you described it. And then only one person gets more than one vote. I thought it was going to be a very hilarious everyone voted for one other person situation. Yeah, I thought it was going to be there. It's a it's a tie. Yeah, an eight-way, one-vote tie. Um, so that insanity happens, and then, and this is where Donald Pleasant says, "Like, keep your doors, keep your tents locked, and keep, you know, keep your tents closed tonight. Don't let anyone in." And again, it's canvas, Donald. Right, right, with string. It's not even like you know. Anyway, it's and also the doctor locks up the the totems at this point, and a little right because the totems keep curio. they keep one keeps breaking for each murder victim. Right, right. And at this point, there's three. Uh, and so at this point, the the giant guy from Dune, um, I think it's Paul Smith is his name. I think so. The, doc- the doctor's like, here, why don't you take the key to the top of the hill? That'll keep it well, safe. He says, like, he says, I'm going to, I'm not sleeping. I'm not going to my tent. I'm going to go sit at the, at the top of the hill and look down at everyone so I can see that no one is going to come after me. And then the doctor says, well, if you're going to do that, take the key. Since we'll, we'll know it's safe since it's not here, which is... A double edge of like, hey, if someone dies, we know who did it. Right, right. Um, but like the fact that they're all just like, well, I mean, the guy we just two of us think is the killer is going to just hang out on top of the hill while we go to sleep. Seems fine to me. Night. I'm not sleeping. Right. You know what I really wish we got in this movie that we don't get? Donald Pleasant's in like a Twas the Night Before Christmas sleeping gown and cap. Yes, a full Scrooge Mc... Not Scrooge McDuck, just Scrooge. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. Just Ebenezer Scrooge. Scrooge. Ebenezer yes. Scrooge. Spirit! Spirit, no! Yeah, uh, honestly, I'm kind of mad Donald Pleasant's never... Uh, not that yeah. I like that story. I think it's... Uh, <laughs> I really don't care for A Christmas Carol, but yeah. I would watch the Donald Pleasant's Christmas Carol. Yeah, he's such an obvious Scrooge. Honestly, like, as good as the Michael Caine version is, and he, you know, he understood the assignment and yada, yada, yada... Pleasance could have played the the Muppet Scrooge. That would have been the right tone, I think. He, he could. Maybe there. he was too short. I think he was dead by then. Oh, well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still around. Or wasn't Muppet? Is it is Muppet Christmas Carol not like 1990? I thought it was more like mid-ish 90s. I don't know off the top of my mm. head. I think Donald Pleasance died in like 94, 95. Okay, because I know he's not there for H2O, which is 97. Right, he had died by then. No, that would be eight. Ninety eight? Seventy eight. Seventy eight. Oh, I thought it was seventy seven. No, we uh we, we talked about the possibility of doing Halloween once we opened the doors on the podcast a little. Right, right, right. Well, it has sequels. Right. It's so. in it's in for a number of ways. We made sure of this, but I just it's you know, we can it, sequels all count and all that business. And this is where I realized that like if I knew the ten little poem, I would yeah. be more scared. But they have right, to tell right. me what's about to happen and then just do it. Well, they don't tell you what's about to happen. They have the person die and then someone recites the poem stanza that's relevant. Yeah. 
Because this one says uh, it's 10 little people chopping up sticks. One chopped himself in half. So seven little people chopping up sticks. One chopped himself in half. And then there were six. And I was like, yeah. ooh, are we going to get cut in half? Yeah. And then, no, he just has an axe in the back of his head. And I was like, yeah, pretty let down. Also, the idea that you would sit at the top of a hill in a lion infested area is deeply weird to me. But hey, what do I know? I mean, there's murderers and there's lions. So you got to take your pick. Also, I just want to clarify to you that not only have I gotten it wrong every time here, it's because I wrote tiger every time in my notes. You wrote tiger in your notes? Every single note is tiger. But you said lions just now, so. I know. I've I've tried to fix it. I'm just telling you it's wrong because I've been wrong from Jump Street. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so Donald Pleasance plays croquet with the doctor, I think? Yeah, and he stirs up a bunch of shit, which is really funny to me. Like, I mean, he, he starts- also, Donald Pleasance playing croquet is just adorable. Yeah, yeah. They're, they do like a couple of good shots, and then he does that thing, which I, I like vaguely know the rules of croquet. I've played it a couple of times, but there's something where he like, wherein it is useful to just wallop your opponent's ball into the nether face, and Donald takes real pleasure in doing that to the doctor as he's screwing with him. Yeah, Donald plays yeah, in heathers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the whole thing. He's like well, you're the only one with hypodermic needles and access to hatchets. And the doctor's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Everyone has access to the hatchets. And he's like, not as far as I can tell. You know, <laughs> that doctor tool of a rusty hatchet. Um, and then Vera goes and talks to the actress lady who reveals she's a lesbian in 1989. And, and it's not shitty. Like, it's not like, oh, you horrible monster creature. It's just like... I had a lesbian lover, and we I was in love with her, and we, we had this torrid affair, and it was just like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. I thought you would be played very differently when it's that information cool. got revealed. Um, and, and she murdered, she quote unquote murdered, she uh, she got into a fight with her lover, her girlfriend, whatever, uh, and who- Lover is funnier for the sake I know. of the podcast. They were going to, they were breaking up, I guess, and she had threatened to go to the studio- on um the woman we we, we who the woman in, in the movie was being threatened that she was like I'm gonna go to the studio and you're never gonna work again and they were drunk and fighting and she fell in the pool and she was like I just let her stay there and she drowned so it was it's more of the manslaughtery you yeah that that one's pretty cruel to me like like you may not have intended for murder to happen but at the point which you actively choose not to save someone from drowning i'm like oh oh you're bad (laughs) you're a little scary to me yeah frank fixes the radio meanwhile and then miss marshall who was just speaking has like the the exertion of telling the story of how she murdered her lover has so they do a thing where Vera's acting suspicious in the tent because it's her turn to be the uh-huh. the, the uh-huh. suspect. And so she comes out and Donald Pleasance and the doctor walk up and she's like, she's sleeping. And they're like, well, let me, let's go check on her. And she's like, no, don't. You'll wake her up. And yeah. I was like, okay, okay, I get what we're doing. We can uh-huh. dial it back a few clicks. Right, right. Um, Because Vera then goes to the tent, the, the bizarre tent and turns on a metronome. And like, I yes. just... I don't know why I love the imagery of a metronome. It's like spooky and uh-huh. yeah, there's something about sure. it. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I get there. Very creepy. And then uh, the biggest, it looks like those things you can buy to inject 
things into turkeys, like <laughs> butter into turkey. Yes. Now. Or or Leah, do you remember the old Ron Popeil commercial? Yeah. Like a the whole flavor injector. garlic in there. Yeah, yeah. Put a, a, a whole, solid flavor a whole bowl of garlic in there. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Did you know he is Ashley Tisdale's uncle? I did not know they were related, but Hollywood nepotism, baby. Yeah, it's just like, that's my favorite weird one because yeah, it is not a, a good one. It's not an A to B. It's not a, yeah. it's not a Baldwin Baldwin or a yeah. Howard Howard or yeah, Howard Howard. Yeah. It's, I am Ron Popeil, creator of everything that your parents had in the seventies. Uh-huh. And also that's what I call music. Yes. And Wait, is that really Ron Popeil? That's what I call music. Or, no, maybe it wasn't. No, no. So he he created a record company that did all of those like scrolling. Oh, 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 like, oh, 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 the, the like sm- yeah, not, not metal, the, but, like smooth love sounds, and it's like yes, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. Pure moods, and it's yes. like <laughs> the ones okay, that are so, blue are the ones that are playing uh-huh. when the titles scroll by. So I was like, it was late at night and I was playing this video game and it was like the kind of one you can put music on during because it's like I was just kind of like messing around with this game, open world type thing. And I got that stupid, it was during the pandemic, I got that stupid commercial that popped into my head, Pure Moods. And I was like, I got to look this up. And I pulled it up on, on YouTube. And the Pure Mood soundtrack includes like Enya and like, you know, weird. New I don't know AG. Pure Moods. I'll have to look it up. Oh, I have a lot of lot of memory of Permutes, but it also includes, and I it's I can only hear this in the announcer's voice, tubular bells, and then it's the Exorcist, the Exorcist theme. Yes, and I'm just like, I mean, I guess this is a mood, and it's a good mood. <laughs> it's like, why would you put this on this CD of new agey relaxation bullshit? And you're like, all right, you so sail away, sail away, sail away, Who and yeah, <laughs> yep. See, you know, you know the commercial because that's the song that comes next. Yeah. Um, you do know it, uh, but then the final one is like. Tubular bells, boo 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 boo. I'm just like, what? Every time on I go earth? to hum tubular bells, I hum the Halloween theme. I yeah, can't. I just did. I can't there. hum I tubular bells. I, I can only hum yeah. the Halloween theme. Yeah, yeah. But I ended up finding that soundtrack on Spotify and listening to it. And at the point which tubular bells came on, I was like, no, wrong energy. I'm gonna have to Google this infomercial. See, my infomercial is uh, the Magic Bullet. Oh yeah, sure, sure. That I, is man, like I, when I. When, when I am like, cannot sleep. I hate chopping garlic, that lady, right? She's the fucking best because she makes no fucking sense. Yeah, it's, why is the short order waitress? It's, an, it's, it's Hazel. Her name is Hazel. Um, but it's this like group of pretty attractive, you know, late 20s, like 30 somethings. Yeah. One, one big dude because it's funny he's fat. And then this like... 60-year-old woman with South Philly red hair and a cigarette dangling out of her mouth just shows like up sh- at this, in this people's house. She's like a short-order cook that just walked in. a house in. dress? It's yeah, so yeah. weird. But that is my, yeah, like, my- I cannot sleep at all. This I'm going to put this on, and, and it's going to put me to sleep. The one that I would would put it in that, I have not done that, but it's a funny idea, it would be the rotisserie, the Showtime rotisserie, for sure. Oh, set it and forget it? With with the solid flavor injector. Yeah, it's probably a little too loud to fall asleep to, but I, it would be on the yeah. list. Kathy Mitchell, also. Okay, all right. Uh, where the hell are we in this movie? Bu, 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 um, bu. So, the giant old-timey needle. Yes. A gloved yes, hand picks up that needle. Yes, there we go. Okay. And injects some flavor into our lesbian actress. <laughs> Several cloves of garlic, a couple of rosemaries. <laughs> I just remember the the 
the because ne- the needle's like stretchy, I think, and so like uh-huh. the garlic, the whole garlic. I remember that no, it was a cross cut. They they do this weird thing where they like put a piece of pork like up against a pane of glass, and they do it right next to the glass, so you can but see. How it, do you, like, but it was a whole. I remember it being a whole clove of garlic. No, it is. It's like a. It's like a. Imagine a turkey baster with like a plunger that you could like force out the end instead of like a squisher. So so it's not the the end wasn't stretchy then. No, no, no. You like took the top off and it was like a test tube, you know, like, it was, like okay. an inch wide. I was picturing it stretching it. out so that the whole clove was visible in there. No, it, it, you you see the, the, the tube cro- is I clear. remember the cross section, but I remember yeah, it yeah, yeah. I remember it being looking like a like a whole wide clove this of garlic. Is, this is the third or fourth minute of us discussing this Ron Popeil's solid flavor injector on a podcast about I don't think anyone's the, mad. I movie. I just I just Wanna, sometimes I just need to point things out. You gotta establish. I, I, the right. I don't think anyone's mad. <laughs> uh, so she dies, and then very shortly thereafter, Donald Pleasance dies, which is like deeply frustrating oh, so that you're killing. She dies, and then Vera is in her room, and she like moves her mirror, and Frank Stallone is behind her, and he has a gun to her back, and he says, "I don't mean to scare you." Then what are you doing? <laughs> yes, this is a strange approach to do that, Frank. And then this is where Donald, there's a gunshot and Donald Pleasance is revealed to be dead. So Vera's like, mm. you had the only bullets. Right, right. Because earlier we, he, he established, we established that Frank had functioning bullets despite there being no others. But like, oh, look, first, the, first it, it's Pleasance, Pleasance doctor and the detective get drunk and confess their crimes. That's right. Right yes, before that. Skip that part. Yeah, I'm sorry. Everyone has confessed at this point, except Vera has, has confessed at this point. But there's 20 minutes left in this movie, and you killed Ms. Marshall and Donald Pleasance. That's the that's the two best actors in this thing. Why are they not here? Yeah. And then Vera's like, you had the only bullets. And he's like, well, you don't know anything about guns, so let me tell you. This gun yeah. would smell like smoke, and it would be hot if I just killed someone. So, I mean, me. he does. he does. And those seem like valid points to me. Yeah, but I, if you are the only one with gun knowledge. Yeah. It, I'm going to get a second opinion before I'm just, sure. like, blindly trusting you. Yeah. Presumably one of these other men in three-piece suits in the safari, or uh, Sahara, have, have had a gun Not in Sahara, it's before. a safari. Okay. Well, it could be a safari in the Sahara, no? Isn't Sahara more, th- like, deserty? North? Okay. Yeah, I guess you're I right. think Sahara's more deserty. This is maybe more this savannah. Is the Seren- maybe this is the Serengeti? There you go. The Serengeti. So- Yes. So uh, Vera explains what happened. <laughs> babies and flowers. <laughs> the Serengeti. It's Donald Pleasance's bald head inside a cabbage. <laughs> oh my god, Donald Pleasance is surrounded. He's the center of a fucking sunflower. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <coughs> oh, mamma mia. That's going to be the, that's, that has to be the Photoshop. <laughs> find an Ann Getty's photo and put us in it with Donald Pleasance. <laughs> yes. All right, I'll do that. <laughs> I'm a little sunflower. Watch me grow. Water me. Uh, so this is where Vera tells her Friday the 13th story that she was a uh, governess for a little boy and he was swimming 
and she looked away for a second and he drowned but she tried to like swim out and save him but she couldn't it was too late which like yeah how far out was this fucking kid yeah exactly it's like what are the wave situation this kid couldn't be saved if he immediately went under and you ran after him did you fill his pockets with rocks but also like i know how far out was he right like, as long as I can see you, you're fine. She's got, like, one of those old-time <laughs> she's, extendable she's telescopes. A, yeah, she, like, pulls it. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still see him. No worries here. No, tie him. Tie, put a rope around him. Exactly. Leash him to the beach. Um, and then this is where Vera reveals that... So, Frank Stallone, the adventureman slash Indiana Jones re- character's name is Lombard. Yeah. We have not yes. used that once, but <laughs> no. his name was Lombard. Correct. And this yes. is where we learn that he's not Lombard. He's Hutchinson, Lombard's friend. Lombard died, and he was like, the trip was paid for, so I just came. And I was like... Yeah. I mean, like, it, I get it. I would, insane. too. Yeah. But, like... <laughs> it's huh? the end of Vegas Vacation. It's just, like, the guy dies, and he dropped his Kino ticket, and he's like, well, okay, I'll take I this. I mean, it's gotta go... The, the casino doesn't need that money. Yeah, I, it's fine. I so I've, I, I we were we just watched that movie at when I was uh, with mom and dad for Christmas, and it was on the day after. And I was like, even as a kid, I was like, there's no way you don't take this ticket. There's no, there's yeah, no, of course there's you no take harm. that ticket, right? Like even before you know the old man has no family, like well, they're never gonna know. Like who cares? Also, hang on, is the is it supposed to be that? That Chevy Chase is lying about the old man telling him to take the ticket. Is that supposed no, to be I the think, joke? No, I think no, I think he says take the ticket. I think I okay. Think he, I was like, I hang think, on. I think that is. Did yeah, that yeah, get no, way no. darker? Than no, 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 no. I'm just saying is like they they make a point for the EMTs to be like the poor old man had no family and all he ever wanted was someone to sit and be nice to him. So they like feel good about taking this thing. But I'm like, this is a victimless crime. He's dead. Like he's fully dead. victimless crime. Right. It's like, okay, so it, like, what is the scenario? You're going to like put this ticket in, go to the police, help them find the thing and then hand it over to family members. If they track him down. No, get out of here. It's no. insane. Sorry. Wouldn't bother. This is not a podcast about a 22 year old Chevy chase vehicle, but if it was 24, <laughs> I think it's 97. Yeah, I also didn't uh, know they made Super Nintendo games into nine uh, up until nineteen ninety like nineteen ninety seven. They made a Super Nintendo game because I was like, yeah, I thought they like, had switched to N sixty four by then. Yeah, they they linger on the consoles longer than you think a lot of times. Hmm. Um, um, so anyway, Mir- she leaves Frank after he confesses to this situation, and when he yells after her and is like Vera, he sounds just like Sly. It's like one yeah. of a handful of words or whatever. Speaking of, by the way, I meant to bring this up earlier. The whole like casting people with the same name thing. I didn't know this until recently, but apparently in the late 90s, Al Pacino's estranged father, Sal, like he has no relationship with him. And Quentin Tarantino's estranged father, Tony, made a movie together so that they could put Tarantino and Pacino on the box. Well, at least he's Sal Pacino. Like if you squint, you like (laughs) they can make the S small. Yeah, and so I imagine it like a four point S and a giant A L next yeah, to it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's Tony Tarantino. And they had like I, I imagine it was just like Tarantino hundred point font. Uh Pacino hundred point font and then Sal Tony. Isn't it like one point they barely register? Um so they run to Orson Welles' tent and uh they find the dead doctor at this point. See Orson Welles is in there like drunk. And they're like, where's the doctor? And there is a canvas body bag dripping yes. blood yes. in the tent. And yes. I was like, 
you're the de- the detective didn't see that. Right. The detective. It's ludicrous. In his tent. Yes. Uh, at this point, Vera gets to do your favorite line in all of cinema. Which one? Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and I know what you did last summer. Oh, what are you waiting for? Yeah, she does get to do a what are you waiting for. Um, so at that point, Orson goes down. Yes, Orson. I don't remember how he dies. I don't either. I just wrote Orson is dead. <laughs> it's very strange that I don't recall this at all. Yeah, because I remember that she... They're apart, and she screams at his dead body, and and Frank Stallone mall walks over to her. Yes. And, and then, then they wrestle with the gun. She takes it from him, and they wrestle with it, and we hear a gunshot. Yes. Donald was back from the dead. Donald reveals that he is alive the whole time. And he, he gets the gun, and he, like... He starts doing his, like, you know, evil monologue. He gets her to put this new song. Well, the he... problem is that, like, this version of things is, is, like, the original one, everyone dies and a bottle washes up on shore with a note in it that is from the judge that says, I did everything. This is how yeah. I did it. Yeah. When he's still alive because you have to, like, do it, like, it's clunky. To, he has yeah. to say, this is how I did it because yes. it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Right. And he, so he's like he's he's sort of dressed like a uh like a like a judge from old England. He's got like a the the English wig ro- yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, on. I think he was. No, 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 he is. So I just I I always forget that that's like still a thing they do over there. Like they, a they barrister's still wear those wig. dumb Yeah, yeah. Um but so he's like, I'm going to drink this hemlock, which gives me exactly three minutes to explain what I've done before I yank the stool out from under your feet. And so he goes and explains, like, you know, all of you are sinners, and I gave you the chance to survive. Which, I, wait, that's Saul. Um, I was going to say that was not, <laughs> he did not get, he just wanted to kill him. He did not remember this correctly. Well, uh, he also, there's, it also, like, is, like, very effectively bleak. That like Vera goes to like kick him and he yanks the chair out from under her. And yes. so she has to like hold herself up uh, to not choke. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like the worst way of hanging. Like a lot of like this is something you see a lot where people depict hanging as like choking to death. Like uh, actual hanging. They, you're supposed it's to a, break it's your a neck. Broken neck. You, it, it right. has 13 coils because that's what breaks your neck. Yeah. Uh, but. This is not. This is just her slowly choking to death as Donald keels over from the hemlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then <laughs> it turns out Frank Stallone is not dead. Why was he unconscious then? We'll never know. I think uh, he, well, he. I think it was the shock of getting shot at such close range. But he didn't get shot. He get great. Oh, he he's not bloody at all. <laughs> There's not even blood on his clothes. Yeah, maybe he just got grazed then. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, anyway, he saves her, and then what? He has like the worst line in the history. When of we get out of here, I'm teaching you how to aim. Yes. Fuck uh, off. It's just so stupid. Like, what movie are you making? Uh, so that's the end of this. They they get saved by a plane that he had radioed for earlier that we forgot to mention. Yeah, it's not a good adaptation of this of this story. No, unfortunately, no. and it's it's a bummer. It's like like I said, Donald Pleasant's really good. Most of the actors in this are pretty strong. Like this They're is solid. This, sh- this should be no worse than a very good high level community theater production of this, and it just isn't. It's just no. not that good. It's which is a bummer because like you know I'm predisposed to like this. I love Donald Pleasance. I like Agatha Christie. I'm also it's shocked like, that like here. more Agatha Christie stuff doesn't get made. Yeah, you'd think in this world of you know, like constantly adapting stuff, especially I, I, I wonder if we're gonna get a bunch as her stuff becomes public domain. Maybe, maybe. 
I think the only one that wouldn't would be Mousetrap because it's currently running. So I think the right. estate would would fight that. Right, right. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't understand. I think there's just less of an appetite for this kind of movie these days. I, I, I know we both like it very much, but I don't know. But that even like, you'd of... think Netflix would be like, yeah, we'll take a chance and make this just to see what happens. Yeah. They and it's Rebecca. Like... Right. They're not very expensive. Like, it just seems like you could do them very easily. You fill out the roster mostly with character actors. Like, you don't need a movie star to open a movie like this. No. I don't know. They're still doing uh, Poirot movies, like the Branagh ones coming out, which... Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Very, very funny. Like, <laughs> I forget who it is that they're hiding. That's Army that Hammer. Because, oh, there it is. Yeah, the <laughs> Cannibal Hammer is in it. Um, actual Cannibal are, Army Hammer. Yeah. Well, I think it's actual want-to-be Cannibal. It, I don't think there's any evidence far, he's eaten any It is far, flesh. farther than any kind of kink I've ever heard. That's. I'm just saying... It is probably inappropriate to say that he has eaten human flesh until evidence shows up that he wants to eat it is a real thing, for sure. That's not slander. Yes. His level of want, I'm just saying, his level of want, yeah. per really his text weird. messages, is yeah. far farther than any yeah. other kink I'm, I've ever heard. As I've said, if you get too rich, weird shit happens to your brain. And that's what it is. If you're too rich, you just get weird. So you gotta, you gotta back people down a little. Um, anyway, I, there's no way you're recommending this bad movie. No, it's yeah. a bummer. And, and we've, we've savaged it so much. It would not be even fun to play Canon or Canon because I think this is easily Canon for both of us. Canon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, fun conversation, at least bad yeah. movie. Uh, Rob not with your too. time. Yeah. <laughs> Get yourself a solid flavor injector and pick a different Donald Pleasance film. Uh, Thank you so very much for watching or, or watching Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, don't forget to check us out on social media. We're on Facebook. You can find us at dissect the eighties on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you there. Check out patreoncom slash dissecting the eighties. As we said at the top of the show, you can get all sorts of great bonus content and uh, good stuff there. So check that out. If you please, it's a great way to support the show. And another great way to do it for free is to tell two friends if you like the show. So uh, tell two people about it and help spread the word out there. Uh, we haven't had a review in a while, so if you want to review the show, do that, and we read those on the air. If you uh, do something other than iTunes, just send a screenshot to dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a movie I'm kind of excited to dig into. I'm hoping it's weird and wonderful. It's uh, it's called Evil Speak, and it stars a uh, favorite of this podcast, Ron Howard. No, Clint Howard, not Ron The actual Howard. favorite, the good, The good favorite. And uh, you can find that on Shudder as well as a couple other places. Um, so, yeah, if you want to watch with us, that's how you can find it. Thank you so much again for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.